Um, hey, uh, excuse me. Sorry, I didn't mean to just approach you on this park bench like some kind of weirdo. Oh, that's fine, dear. That's fine. What, 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 uh, what do you want? I'm just here feeding the ducks, as I do every yeah, Saturday. Yeah, no, I've I've noticed you doing that, and I think it's really sweet. I do think that probably, um, <laughs> I think probably Doritos are not maybe the recommended food for this particular species of duck. And yet the ducks keep coming back every week, don't they? Yeah, they come they they do come back every week, but they come back with um uh, a, 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 a kind of wild, desperate look in their eyes like they've been chemically addicted. Haven't we all? Uh that's true. It's true. Um anyway, sorry. I'm just waiting for um a friend of mine. Do you mind if I sit here for a minute? Oh, go ahead. Deary, go ahead. What's your name? Oh, you know. Hello, I go by... it's nice to meet you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're a charmer. Yes, uh, I wish my wife would have said the same. Yeah, was your was your wife mean to you? Uh, let's just say there are some bridges with bodies that cannot be un buried metaphorically hmm. metaphorically my wife is very much alive she lives in cleveland now she 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 divorced me mm-hmm. yeah, so I, didn't, I didn't i didn't murder my wife and bury her under a bridge i was a metaphor metaphor yeah i also think i mean i assume you'd be smart enough to understand that like dumping a body under a bridge isn't burying it like they would find that really easily or they now <laughs> <laughs> they found me. Okay, here's what I need you to do. I need you. You're gonna have to feed these ducks while I'm gone. <laughs> these ducks need the Doritos. They need the Doritos. I will carry on your legacy. But not because I particularly find you sympathetic, or even because I believe what I'm doing is right, but I will carry it on because I'm in need of purpose. And in a sense, this improv scene is in need of purpose. Well, you know, as I'm about to leave, I will say one thing. One thing. It's very important. Uh-huh. I think that as an older person, I might have been happier marrying a man. And I think that I didn't do that because I was pressured by society to fit into the mold, as it were. And now look what happened to me. Don't try to fit into a mold that doesn't fit you, or you will have your own body bridges. Goodbye! <sighs> All right, well, guess, um, guess I'm going to feed these ducks. <laughs> Here's a Dorito <laughs> for you. <laughs> yep, yep. Here's a Dorito for you. Here's a Dorito for you. Here's a Dorito for you. Oh, this duck needs a Dorito. Wait, who are, wait, 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 you're not the guy. You're not the guy. Who are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've replaced him. Here's a Dorito for you. I'm not taking that from you. I don't know who you are. I'm a very a untrusting duck. 
Here's a Dorito. Okay, you don't have to have one. Uh, can you move aside for the one behind you? No. Can you just move aside for a second, please? No. Okay, hey, buddy, behind behind <laughs> the, behind <laughs> the loudmouth. Here, <laughs> here's a Dorito for you. And here's a Dorito for you. <laughs> okay, okay. Now that now that you've been feeding all the ducks, I kind of want one. I feel like I think I'm. I feel like I feel some FOMO. Some of FOMO. course, of course, of course. I I understand. You have you you. you blah, blah, blah. Here's a Dorito for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they got the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, in a way, I hope they got him. Um, no, I, I objectively hope they got him. He was a murderer. <laughs> like, if he'd, like, stolen the Doritos, I'd be like, you go, guy. You get out of here. You make it. But he, he killed a dude or someone. I doesn't... I mean, first, yeah. I mean, I think well, he killed, his, he killed his wife, but it's because he's queer coded. <laughs> 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 you know he killed her because because he hates women because <laughs> because he's I think a we can all learn villain. something and from I've, this story and I think that yeah, isn't my, it. And my childhood has really primed me to feel to to really like that kind of villain. You know. Yeah. And you know you know what I'm really excited about? I'm really excited about when this pretty two dimensional, irredeemable like wife murderer gets gets his like. Disney prequel revamp. You oh, know? yeah, we need to show that he actually is a very lovable person. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Cold, yeah. harsh exterior. Yeah, his mother was thrown off a cliff by a bunch of ducks. <laughs> <laughs> While she was eating um, Doritos, and now he feeds Doritos to the ducks. That's a sick, twisted way to, to get her back. So you might have noticed that at some point in that improv scene, I don't know, you'll probably be able to pinpoint the moment. You know, this is a fun game. Go back and listen to it, listeners, and try to see if you can pinpoint. Pin, try to see if you can pinpoint the moment that I gave up on it being <laughs> an improv scene. And that was the moment I dedicated myself to dragging the scene on. Yeah, when you gave no. up. I gave in. We we did we did really we did really tussle there for a minute where I was really I was really I was almost trying to shaggy dog our improv and you were like no this is gonna have pathos this is gonna have an arc the ducks <laughs> are gonna be revealed to talk um, no just that one the rest of them just went Wah. I'm I'm J J Abrams and you're Damon Lindelof and you know what which of us made the leftovers and which of us made the rise of Skywalker huh. <laughs> yeah, no, I I have no illusions as to to my <laughs> like the 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 ultimate the ultimate uh, consequences of my approach. But here's the thing: giving up on the improv scene and being half-assed was actually my clever introduction to today's episode. Are you are you serious? Was this a bit? Uh huh. This no, that was the bit. The improv was the bit, and now I'm going to reveal what I want to talk about for today's episode. But before Charlie, terror in her eyes, is like, no, I wasn't doing bad improv. It was a bit. It was. She says. It was a bit. She says to the confused, sad audience. Oh, at the I'm not. Show. Hey, 
I'm not. No. First of all, no fear in these eyes, baby. I don't fear. <laughs> I don't fear a silent audience. I did fucking improv comedy at like the least popular improv theater in Atlanta for, <laughs> for like two years. Audiences of like four people, theoretically friends of the performers, and yet and yet very unimpressed with what we were doing largely. So you think you think you can hurt me, aud- virtual audience? You're not even in the room with me. I don't give a shit what your reaction is. And that's why this podcast is growing by the hundreds. <laughs> I don't by, care by the who hundred. you are. <laughs> this podcast is growing by the hundred. Um, by the tens. So before I this make my podcast is growing by the ones. <laughs> Bef- before I um before I make my big reveal. Um, I want to say hello and welcome to Yes Androgyny. This is the podcast where two queer improvisers and best friends since middle school sit down together, drink some tea, discuss gender, discuss the intersection of identity and the arts, all through the lens of improv comedy. My name is Charlie. And I use she, they pronouns. And I do have to ask you, Ari, I think one or two episodes ago, I think I I made a a joke about how I'm a non-binary trans woman, which means I'm a trans woman, but I pee standing up. And I just have to ask you, did you cut that joke out of the edit? Because I, I did cut the joke out of the Because I just re- re- remembered. I don't think I remember hearing that joke in the final edit. I cut that I, joke out. Out of, I, out of I want slight, that joke in. Out of slight fear for other trans people. I'm a fucking non-binary trans woman. I can make a fucking joke about a non-binary trans woman. I just worried that if you said... <laughs> you called me out on the edit choices. I thought that if you said... I'm a non-binary trans, which means I pee standing up. Someone would say, I'm not non-binary, but I pee standing up. Are you saying that trans people have to sit down when they're peeing? And I was like, I got, I fear, I fear my here's, gut. And here's, and here's how I feel about that. I feel like I trust trans people to be able to, like, recognize a joke when they fucking hear it. <laughs> I have final editing privileges. So yeah. to what I want. <laughs> but yeah, I'm Charlie, a non-binary trans woman. I sarcasm alert joke <laughs> joke asterisk that means that i pee that i'm a trans woman just like you but i pee standing up um anyway oh my god I'm, I, if that joke like goes really poorly it'll be so fucking funny that you tried it twice yeah no i know i know i know i know i i was uh, yeah I'm Charlie. I use she, they pronouns. I love, I love, I love them. I love those pronouns. And um, with me, as always, is an old friend of mine. Someone who I've oh, seen. I hate <laughs> An old, old friend. <laughs> yeah. He's calling in from prison. Um... <laughs> Old friend, you know them, you love them, you can't get enough of them, you follow them, you peer into their windows, and you will one day have to kill them. 
as all obsessions eventually eventually end in in tragedy. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, <laughs> I'm afraid to do so now. Uh, and just full name and address, please. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, my name is Ari Noble. I go by he they pronouns. I live at Westminster Drive, Kentucky. As far as I can think of from where I actually live. <laughs> um, yes. there, could there possibly be a Westminster Drive in Kentucky? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. I hope there is. I'm going to Google it while you finish your intro. And, yeah, I, um, I'm i not as clever as my fellow co-host. I don't have a witty little... Uh, statement about being he they other than to say that uh that is what i am i am i am what i am as a sweet potato once said hey here's a zillow listing for a house for sale 1909 westminster drive lexington kentucky well there you go that's where i live go there <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to move you're selling your house yeah go go buy it i'm I, I, wow you're selling it for two hundred and forty eight thousand dollars. yeah it's uh Expensive for Kentucky. <laughs> in, in, in Kentucky money, that's millions. <laughs> Kentucky money. So here's the thing. The thing I want to talk about today, and it, it, this is sort of, uh, uh, this is coming from like a very real place right now where you and I are both really tired right now. We're tired as people in general. We are particularly tired. Neither of us got very much sleep due to anxiety and various issues. And I, I'm exhausted. My body, <laughs> my body is responding like I've gone through a trauma today because I had all of the hair forcibly ripped out of my ass this morning. You had another waxing appointment. Well, okay, the waxing went terribly. The so waning did- went fantastically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my waning is going great. I am I am moving downhill faster than fucking I'm breaking world I would if I was a skier, I would be breaking world records. <laughs> um no, I I I'm, uh, I sh- I sugared. I had my my ass sugared today. What the hell is that? It's it's a <laughs> What different... the hell are you talking about, Jesse? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, it's just a different like it's like a compound. Honestly, I don't really even know that much about it. I assume it's sh- sh- sugar based, <laughs> some sort of paste that's Ugh. sort of like wax, but it does not stick to skin in quite the same way. So you're not ripping off quite as much of the skin, and so, so theoretically it's less le- painful than a waxing is. Yes, and so it was still excruciatingly extru- painful, and I had hand tremors. For the last couple hours, my hand was trembling because my body just was like, you're in pain. You're in danger. Someone's hurting you. Um, And this all, listen, and then then you and I were like supposed to record three hours ago and then we were exhausted. It was mainly me. I I couldn't sleep. I was like, please, please, I need more time. No, but I'm I'm literally on one hour of sleep today too. Like it's- it's, Oh my God. I I just, I, I figured the thing we could talk about today- just because this is where we're at anyway, is I want to talk about effort. I'm I'm having a difficult time with the amount of incredible effort that I have to put into 
presenting femme enough in to even like register as queer i suppose mm, and mm-hmm. i i wanted to like you know put the 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 typical like asterisks at the top of this conversation rather than like throughout the conversation which is that like i am privileged enough to be in a situation where for the most part I want to appear trans, like in public. Um, you not live in a like situation. I, you live in a situation where presenting that way, in mo- most cases, isn't going to lead to like trouble and pain for you, as it might in certain areas. I mean, it, yeah, it would in my in the town I live in, it would in my own apartment complex. In fact, it has, I believe in my apartment complex because I have a neighbor who is, uh, threatened me and called the police on me. And that escalation happened after he saw me walking outside in a dress and made some comments. And I, so like, but it, but like the places I like to go, like my favorite cafe, impl- has a trans feminine in, or a non-binary, but a a a, a femme presenting queer person, uh, working there. Like th- like there is some you know Durham especially. Um, I had an amazing experience getting to go to a a queer EDM event at the Fruit in Durham That's a cool little while hell. ago. Um yeah, it was super cool. Um and like like there's a really there's a pretty robust scene here. But my gosh, the effort I have to mm-hmm. go into to combat how mask I appear and like and I think what I'm doing is I'm basically like complaining about what like all women complain about which is like it sucks like it is so it takes so much energy now to, for me to go out what like society it, expects from you to be like to be allowed to be what you are wanting to be seen as by most society requires an exorbitant amount of effort and that is difficult for afabs of course but on top of that is the fact that your body actively fights against it because you have an AMAP body that you haven't had a chance. I'm not saying, I don't know exactly what your plans are with this, but you haven't had any, like, hormonal changes at all. Like, you're going at this, like, starting from what your body's needs are. It's purely a social transition, and I had, I had, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah. Like, waxing, I know plenty of AFABs who don't ever shave their body because they barely have any hair and so there's not really an it and i like there is a wonderful movement recently i've noticed where uh afabs are feeling less pressured to shave their leg hair than they were like 20 years ago and i know plenty of people who are like yeah i just don't shave my legs anymore but well, it's is, one of the, like it's, I, it's one of I would have to. <laughs> I wanted to. I have so much leg hair. If I wanted to present super feminine, I would have to like sit either get a waxing or sit in the bathtub for like three hours. Or if you wanted to present as feminine 
within the sort of Western beauty standards. Oh, yeah, standards. of course, of course. And that's, that's, kind of, other, that's always applied here, too, yeah. Implied. Right, but that's the other fucked up thing about all this, too, right, is that, like, and this is, you know, this is something that, this is something that, like, those who identify as gender critical, uh, one of the one of the things they like to really throw at trans people is this idea that like we're reinforcing sexist stereotypes because our presentation of femininity is like so so based around those beauty standards. And listen, there are issues with like skinny white very femme passing trans femmes with like big boobs being perceived as more legitimate than other trans people and trans or you know other trans feminine people but like you know obviously like th- you know this is coming from the movement of people who are literally trying to link the idea of womanhood to their fucking uteruses so you know not not super valid critique coming from them. I think what it really comes down to, because, you know, we're talking about effort and we're also talking about passing. It's di- it's difficult, right? Because the the effort of passing has two purposes. Maybe even three. One of those purposes. I guess maybe. We'll see. One of those purposes is to present the way that makes you feel good the second the external there's the internal and the external and then there's the societal the internal is making you feel good the external is wanting other people to see you as you want them to perceive you and the third societal sense i would say is almost i think sometimes there's gonna be a really weird comparison I'm going to talk about animation for a second. In the animation community, there's a there was an Oscar. Uh, <laughs> you have the most. That was just the most like TED Talk structure of all time. <laughs> where it's like, listen, today I'm going to speak to you of the God particle. But before I do, I need to talk to you about baseball statistics. <laughs> you see, when a player steps up to a bat, there is a one in eight chance, and you're just like, well, this is okay. <laughs> just go. skip forward five minutes, and it's <laughs> like, and this analogy perfectly meshes with what I'm saying about the God particle. I literally saw this. Uh, <laughs> I saw this video yesterday where the uh, person giving this like talk about it was like some some YouTube essay started by talking about how most essay structure is. You have a topic, and then you talk about some unrelated thing, both to draw your audience in with the curiosity of how these two things connect and also as a very obvious attempt to make yourself seem like you know more about what you're talking about than you actually do because you found a vague connection between two things. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> um, and by the way, this is, this is you know, we're getting, we're in dangerous territory here. We're almost in season one territory. And I just want to be very clear. I don't have anything fucking smart to say. I'm not going to like put on airs. Like I'm going to be like, offering good cultural critique here i'm just going to talk about my my little white trans femme oh, experience yeah, no, and i think this is actually a, i think a personal one for me that's kind of why i'm bringing it up too which is that oh yeah i want oh i want to hear i want to hear yeah. listen listen baby listen baby there's enough room hey. for us both okay hey come come here hey Hey, it's cold out there. Come in. Zip. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why my zipper sounds so licentious. I have perfectly platonic intentions, but my zipper has like a... a yeah, like that, a, that zipper like had an attitude. Sex criminal sound, <laughs> if that makes sense. 
And now the we now present the silent zipper. Oh, thank God. Um, <laughs> um, the um, anyway, did you see the Oscars this year? They of course not. Okay, this part went viral. Well, except oh well, listen, I did see. One, one part of the Oscars, which <laughs> is saw part- one uh, one twenty second clip from the Oscars. Um, I'm not going to tell you what. It's clip. probably going to be the clip that I'm about to talk about, where the animation uh, they they had a thing where they had the gall to perform the song from Encanto, like the big song from Encanto, as like a stage a showstopper big number that everyone was super into. And then when presenting the award for animation, they said, children love it, adults tolerate it. As their big statement about animation. Wow. And then a person at the Oscars, how out of touch... How, like, I mean, listen, the Oscars are out of touch in many ways. Like, 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 like you know... They're racist and they're old. <laughs> but also, how out of touch do you have to be to not have watched a single animated thing in like the last 15 years, which is like all for adults? Anyway, yeah. sorry. And then on, on top of on. that, uh, a person gave a st- one of the people who got an award talked about the validity of animation and they cut that entire monologue when they aired it. Mm-hmm. And why I bring us all this up? Not the clip. I, not the clip I saw. Yeah, they didn't come that Oscars. one. Animation. Uh, Animation fans tend to have this it's almost defensiveness that is kind of that comes from exhaustion. This sort of right. like I am so tired of having to prove that my medium is valid in the eyes of this award ceremony, in the eyes of the public, and as of funders. And as a result, sometimes they immediately get defensive, and sometimes they'll like almost have an instinct to kind of put down animation that they see as like oh. This is not. This is a this is a stereotypical example of exactly what we're talking about. This is like like Boss Baby is <laughs> ruining animation for the rest of us. And a lot of people worked on Boss Baby, and they worked really hard on Boss Baby. I'm not saying it's like Boss Baby, but a lot of people worked hard on it. And I think in the trans community, there was a third aspect to presenting, which is sometimes a desire to get the approval of people who judge trans people and be like, look, I present really well. I look very societally this. You know what I mean? There's this overcorrection that I see a lot where people are like afraid to be weird because they think they'll get judged because there's a sense of like judgment and you don't have to present societally normal. Even if you put personal stuff aside, you don't have to prove yourself to anybody. This community doesn't owe anybody any explanation. We don't owe anybody Uh, anything. Just be. Excuse me. Excuse me? Excuse me, Professor? Yes, hello. What is it, darling? Um, hi. Well, okay. Please, no. N- I would prefer not to be called darling even by a woman professor. Oh, of course. I, I, uh, it, it's a, it's a, I refer to everyone as darling. It's one of my charming things that I will, I will refrain. I once, I once saw a all-female production of Oleana, and while I do think that removing the gender power dynamic did kind of undermine the text in a way, I still came away feeling like the behavior of the professor was intrinsically uh, kind of predatory. Oh dear, well, I... uh... I didn't. <laughs> I feel. I feel like this is escalating really quickly. I was just trying to answer whatever question you had. No, 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 no. I just. Uh, sorry. I. I get a little. Sometimes I. I bring up. Um. The fact that I've seen Oleana. It's the one play that I've ever seen or read, and I like to bring it up in conversation to make it. You know, to make it. To make it 
a point to make it seem like my my completely unrelated topic is kind of smarter and more more textual based than it actually is. Um, like I, that's not what I'd I like to talk to you about teaching, but first we have to talk about Oleana. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wanted, I well, I well, yes, because I wanted to talk to you about. You gave me an F on this paper, and I just, I can't help but feel like you are punishing me for being innovative in my medium. Like, yes, I wrote a graphic novel instead of a statistics paper, but if you read. The, the subtext of the graphic novel, I think you will find that embedded within are all of the lessons that you've taught me. I want to ask you a question. When you say all the lessons, do you mean emotionally or literally that they are pres- the present? Like, were any of the formulas that I asked you to uh, memorize? Well, here, the here, here. Open. Okay, open opening to, the page uh, five. Here we go. Open page five. Let's just you and I. This is this is the scene okay. between um, Genevieve, the main character, and her uh, talking polar bear friend, who of course ends up being imaginary. Um, why don't we just read right now the dialogue, and I think you'll see how it applies to t- statistics. Um, I'll be I'll be a Genevieve because it's I'll be honest, a little bit of a self insert character. Yeah, I, I could tell. All right, here I'm holding the book up, so I'm, I'm sure you already know your own story, but you know. Here, yeah, let's let's share. All right, is it okay that I'm saying this close to you? I want to make sure I'm respecting your boundaries too. <laughs> I uh, I'm just uncomfortable with this entire conversation, so this is not even a factor. Just I just, you know. Okay, we'll just quickly read read page five, and you'll see that it's absolutely relevant to statistics. I really okay, just here we can't go. See how it's possible, but okay, let's go. <laughs> here we go. Um, well, I don't know, Tony. <sighs> If I run away from this orphanage, I, I, I'm going to have to leave all my friends behind. Oh, oh, Genevieve. If, you, if you're afraid about leaving, you have to remember that one in five friends will, will, will turn on you in the future. You can't trust okay, anyone and, as a and, polar and bear. Yeah. Pause for a second. Okay. Pause reading for a second. So... Already, one we're in already four. We're... That's that's not that's not advanced statistics. <laughs> we're in university. <laughs> that's just a that's just a that's just a percentage. That's the idea. A percentage is a, is a statistic. Well, sure, but it's like that's like level one. Right. We're in so the idea we're in advanced of statistics. Hey. No, no, listen, I, let's, okay, you're right. Page five is too early. Cause the way I structured this book okay. is very much like the really simple ideas at the beginning. It gets more complicated. Let's flip all the way to page 40, right at the, right at the part where we learn, where we learn the, the dark secret being harbored by the, by uh, Tony the polar bear. Okay. Uh, okay, here we go. I have something to tell you, Genevieve. <laughs> No, I can't hear this. I I can't hear this. I know what you're going to say to me. I know that you're going to tell me that I've been manipulating my my memories to imagine that you're a real bear the way that partisan news media can manipulate statistics into making people believe a certain narrative. And just like that, I've been making myself believe that you're a real bear and not just a tennis ball that I dipped in white paint and drew a little smiley face on. (laughs) (sighs) Genevieve. Do you see? Genevieve. Do you see, Professor? I mean, the next line here, I I, I feel like you got me invested. Now I want to read, now I want to read. 
Tony's part. Okay, yeah, 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 please keep reading. He just says, median equals n plus one th over two term when n is even, n th two, nth, oh, it's nth, oh, I see, nth over two terms. I know, as the professor. As the professor, term as the professor who's, who's, who's reading this from your memory n over right two now. plus one term over two when n is even. Oh my God! It was here all along. Yeah, I, I yes, your the, the essay assignment was for me to just regurgitate formulas, and, you, and I did it. You did, but it was just embedded in the text of this wider story. I'm gonna admit it. And bed it. By the way, bedded. I don't mean that in any to be any kind of advance. No, we're not gonna go in the yeah. same bed. No. No, sweetheart. Okay. I mean, I mean. Student of mine. I'm not of mine. Yes, just and, I am, student, and I'm student. 20 years old. And I'm 20 years old. <laughs> and I'm 25. I'm actually pretty young for a professor. Yeah. I mean, well, you're a Nobel Prize winner. Yeah, uh, I mean, you're the youngest Nobel Prize winner. I'm, I haven't checked this, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, 25. You're the youngest uh, person to ever win a Nobel Prize and in, yet in for all in of my statistics. intelligence, for all of my uh, statistical knowledge. It turns out that one in one me's can't see what's right in front of her face. That I judged the book on its cover. I didn't bother to read in and see that the assignment was completed. I'm going to give you a C. Um, we we cut out and we see that this is a TikTok video <laughs> that someone's watching with with. Uh, with his friend playing a little bit of a male <laughs> with his other male friend, character his male. here. Yeah. <laughs> um I just I don't know. I hate this TikTok trend where like like couples with like kind of like with like age gaps or where they met in these kind of questionable circumstances where it's like one of them was like a teacher or a youth pastor, but they're like romanticizing it or treating it like it's fine like have you noticed how many of these fucking tiktok videos there are of just people being like haha i met my boyfriend when i was 17 and he was my youth pastor and it's like what what the fuck why is this something that's just like on social media why like why aren't people why aren't people more concerned about this i'm gonna be honest i I don't watch social media. I, this is why I don't download TikTok. This is why I stick to Reddit. <laughs> Reddit. <laughs> Reddit. Drink fresh. <laughs> we cut out. What was this commercial? Reddit? Drink fresh? Are they branding like a drink? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I actually... I missed I missed all that. I've been I'm I'm still emotional from the from the Genevieve story. Her imaginary friend wasn't real. They're not. Wait, me, man. what? The, the, the story, We're back. At, the, yeah, in the TikTok, the the, the the guy was watching in the commercial. The Genevieve, the she lost her only friend. I can't even hey, pay man. attention to all the all the external Reddit stuff. I don't. I'm sorry. I, I, as a man, I shouldn't be getting this emotional about a polar bear imaginary friend. Listen, listen, man. Listen, man. It's okay. I just, here, come here. Give me a hug. Hug it out. It's going to quack, quack. Hey, get the, get the fuck away. I'll feed you in a second. I'm trying to have a moment with my friend on this park bench. <laughs> come here. Come here, buddy. 
Uh, it's the first time I, I've been hugged in so long. Hey, what are you two doing over there? <laughs> I'm back. The cops haven't got me yet. <laughs> Turns out the bridge collapsed. It was 18 cars. The bridge collapsed. Now they're never going to know the difference. <laughs> I'm scot free, baby. We cut out to it. We cut out to a television. This and this is exactly the kind of shoddy infrastructure that that my opposing candidate for <laughs> city mayor has allowed to happen murderers walking free on the street because he did not invest in our infrastructure. Vote me, uh, Mayor. Nine and ten statisticians agree. Vote for Marty McMartison. Mayor Marty McMartison approves this message, and I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> turn this town around. <sighs> These political ads have been getting out of control as we move into the midterms. Yeah, I know. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to fail this class. I keep turning in graphic novels to my teacher. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the weird part is it takes so much more effort to do that than to just do the assignment. <laughs> what are you, you're, you're not shooting yourself in the foot. You're, 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 you're putting your foot inside a barrel and then shooting your right, foot. We, we cut out to TikTok. No, okay, okay, we're done. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> we wrapped it up. We managed to wrap it around to the original context to make it seem like we had a plan. Um, Directed by J.J. Abrams did... and Damon Lindelof. <laughs> before we, before we, uh, not before we, we're never. Let's not unpack anything that just happened. Let's just leave it where it is. That's um, improv. I did, I did want to respond to what you said ages ago. I don't even remember anymore. There's been so many stories. Um, <laughs> I, no, the, the I, whole I, I the society. Okay, what I was saying to kind of bring it back was, like I used animation as a, as an example of a similar phenomenon where people want to take pride in who they are or what they like, and but they have such a there's an ingrained sense of self consciousness that leads to a desire to like performatively prevent people from judging them even when they don't deserve that judgment right like you don't well queer people shouldn't listen, have to prove anything to people right right okay yeah yeah there's two there's two i like there's two giant ideas here that could be whole fucking you know episodes like we we could we could we could each go off and get a phd in these separate topics like boy it's big but i want to say just two comments one Absolutely, my insecurities about my body are in part rooted in like white supremacy and fat phobia. Like, it's just so fucking obvious to me that, like, when I say to myself, Oh, I wish my body looked more feminine, that some of the lessons of what a pretty femme woman is supposed to look like have absolutely infiltrated my mind. Sure. And that's really, like, that's something that's really fucking hard to, like, unlearn, but, like, I'm really, really trying to just, to, to unlearn that, because I, I see so many beautiful trans women out there who don't Conf who don't look like Blair White, basically. <laughs> and 
And like I I don't up like these are not standards I apply to other people. Like when I look out in the world, I don't look at those people and say like they look like less they don't look like women to me. I see trans people who don't pass and I don't think to myself they don't look like women. Like like that's that's not, you know, that's trans medicalist bullshit. Like that's yeah. not how I view the world, but I view it for myself sometimes. And, and so there's that aspect, right? There's the fact that like, I'm like, yeah, trans, a trans woman is anyone who is a woman who, who I, you know, who is a trans woman who identifies as a trans woman. They don't have to perform gender at all for anybody. And at the same time, I, as previously mentioned, I want to look like Claire Kramer as Glory from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, and how much of that, how much of that is learned fucked up beauty standards? Probably a lot of it. But But then at the same time, yeah, like. At the same time, I do think I genuinely want a more female body. It, like, like, not that body, like just a, I want my body to, I want, well, again, and what do I mean by a more female body? Like I want to go on HRT, right? I want to go on HRT. I want to feminize myself in that way. I want breasts. I want less hair, like things that don't have to be associated with femininity, but I associate them and I do want them. And I think what I'm experiencing recently is this sense of burnout. Yeah. Because, you know, it waxing was painful and expensive and my body fought back against it. I had like a horrible allergic reaction. Hopefully the sugaring goes better. But like my my body didn't like that. And it's... And I have fucking chronic fatigue syndrome and depression and PTSD and anxiety. And I, it's hard enough to get out of bed, especially these days. And the idea sometimes of putting on, even like putting on like eyeliner feels too exhausting. But if I don't do it, I feel like this part of myself that I've caught these little glimpses of here and there are like, I've, I'm, I'm being, I'm making, she's becoming invisible again. And I don't like that feeling that she's like disappearing. And I, but the effort, but the enormous effort of just bringing her out of, of the presentation, right? Gender is an identity and it's presentation. Sometimes those align. Sometimes they don't. My presentation to even come close to aligning with my identity, I have to put so much daily work into my presentation and I'm struggling with that. And a lot of other people struggle way worse, but that's where I'm at today. And that's why I figured we're exhausted. We're tired. It's hard to do stuff. Maybe it's okay to just talk about that. Yeah. This is one area where I feel lucky uh, that my sense of expression while it's colorful i don't necessarily unless i'm going to like an event i don't feel 
like what I naturally have going on causes me active dysphoria. Um, which means that I don't have to put nearly as much effort in most of the time. Um, I love makeup. I love the idea of trying that stuff, and I love the idea of like doing more with my body. But for me, I'm I, and this goes back to again beauty standards for AFABs and AMABs and women and men and whatever is the idea of like, uh, as a non-binary person, I'm not trying to appear as either. But that kind of means that I can default to neither, which kind of means I can just be whatever. You know what I mean? Like, can, can there I are you, there are non-binary people who try to aim for more androgynous or actively feminine for sure than I. Or or go on or they, like non-binary people go on hormones. Oh, of course, like, of course. Not to fully transition, but like yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Like nothing is a monolith. But can I ask you a question about your identity? Sure. Because you said something during, I think it was the uncle episode. Where I made like that comment about like she they but she's louder, and you said something about how like sometimes he is louder and 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 you said you're you you're on the more mask end of things. Sure. And as someone who's non-binary presentation skews mask, yeah. But but your presentation can be masculine. What you don't want is for the association with you as a person to be masculine. Yeah. You don't want people to see you and go, that's a man. Here's all the associations I have with men, but you don't mind people looking at you and saying that you are, that you maybe resemble a man or that you are mask on a physical level. And I just, how do you navigate that? Like, how do you navigate being who you are as like you kind of like presenting mask with a little bit of like color here and there how far in the other direction do you have to go to be visibly not a man enough that you feel like your presentation is aligning with your identity if that question makes any fucking sense no absolutely i think that i'm i'm lucky in that, and it's like you mentioned, we live in an area that's pretty accepting, uh, at least in the grand sense. I'm sure there's a lot of problems here too, but you know what I mean. Like we live in a generally safe area, and a lot of my expression of myself is very internal to me. It's very much based on my feelings and my expression of myself, um, how I interact with the world, and I still have a lot of ways to go before I can feel completely confident and comfortable with in my own skin and with myself in front of like strangers a lot of the time, but I'm slowly getting there. And I think for me, I have, I care so much more. And this is not like trying to make a statement about people who don't feel this way. This is entirely just my experience. I care way more about how people view me emotionally than physically. It might also come slightly from being a person who is ace. Uh, and that I don't have a sense of wanting people to perceive me in an attraction way. It doesn't I just don't register that really? And so I might also have a sense of like I don't go out and go. I don't think about the perception, the physical perceptions others have of me very much. Um, but if someone sees me dressed and went look at that way, and then proceeds to judge me for how I behave differently from how I look, because I I don't I don't I'm a very emotionally expressive person. I'm very soft-spoken in some ways. I, I'm, I'm loud in other ways, but like... Okay, we, we've talked about, about... Okay, here's a great example. Yeah, right? yeah. You, you are... Your brain works so quickly, and you, you are like a 
your brain is like has like a text predictor feature when you're in conversation and you often predict fairly accurately what people are about to say and so you i mean and i and i and i have uh, like this like i for different reasons i also am like this like I'm an interrupter. You're an interrupter. Yep. It's part of why we're friends. Like, like well, why we make sense as friends is that we, our conversations are very much like, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, it's like how we actually show that we're paying attention and listening yeah. oh, God. is to engage. Like the, the time when I know that you're not paying attention to me is when you're not cutting me off. <laughs> when I'm not like and, interrupting you and filling in because we both know where the sentence is going. Yeah. Right. And so, and so like you've talked about how, how you have been in situations before where people in your life have been like, where specifically like AFAB women might be like, stop interrupting me. Oh yeah. That was a and problem when I was younger. Very much. And there's very much like, very much like a, it's very clear that you're interrupting me like because you're a man. It's like how fucking like, uh, you know, I'm a big person. So sometimes I sit with a wide stance and like if anybody ever like accused me of man spreading, I would like, <laughs> I would go home and kill myself. Yeah. Uh, God. I, I, and I hate that whole, that whole thing that like, where it's like, we take very reasonable critiques of patriarchy and in male entitlement. And then we like, use it to pathologize completely normal behaviors that also have cultural context because some cultures people interrupt more or whatever or like neurodivergent neurodivergent men are often coded as like sexist just be oh i'm maybe i i have been under the impression that neurodivergent men can be coded as sexist i don't know how prevalent this is yeah. but i've seen well it. it's interesting um, because I'll, this is a good example. Like my in, my fact that I I don't even want to call it interrupting quite as much as it is. Like, <laughs> Did you hear me covering my ass there? Yes. Being like I don't know. There's a uh, <laughs> there's a. It's funny because like when I was growing up, my which it's partially it's an ADHD thing too. Is this yeah? Fill, that's what I'm saying. Filling in the gap when someone's saying something, you kind of know what they're gonna say, and kind of I'm like when someone pauses because they can't think of the word and you're like, you say the word quickly. And people, I think, thought that I was mansplaining when I would, like, fill in the word and stuff or, like, the way I'd interact with people. And the funny thing is, I got that from my mom. My mom and I do that. She's the most jumpy in. We interrupt each other constantly. Me, The way my mother and I interact is how, like, my dad isn't like that at all. My mom is absolutely, my dad's like, when I speak, no one speaks. When you speak, I don't speak. My mom is like my mom and I just like talk over each other. I got that from my mother, and then proceeded to go out in the world and have it become a huge insecurity for me. And obviously, it is important that the way that we communicate makes those around us feel comfortable in their needs too. Like if someone can't have interruptions because their brain doesn't need that, obviously, you I would adjust for that person. Right? Yeah. Yeah. On an interpersonal level, we we're all supposed to like. That's being a a person on interpersonal level is about like navigating communication differences is just part of forming relationships. But see, I think it's I think it's actually I think you're 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 keying into we unintentionally keyed into a major factor, which is in social situations we often make adjustments for the expectations, needs, and desires of other people, and that can bleed into how we perceive ourselves. We can perceive, out like, you can dress, like, let's say you decided that you wanted to go out in a mask outfit and you were just fine with that that day, 
but do you have a sense of like, but I'm going out with the girls today. And how they expect me to be versus how it might be if I was with like, I don't know. Like, we do adjust how we present ourselves based on the people we're around. I feel much less inclined to bother dressing feminine around people in my life who already just get me, right? I don't worry about that. I'm like, yeah, they know who I am. Like, I, if I go out one day dressed like this, no one's going to say, I thought you were blank. Or going to perceive me a certain way. But when I'm around people who don't know or don't understand, those are the people who I both want to see me the way I want to present. And also, I'm the most scared of seeing me that way. It's a really weird paradox. Yeah, it is a weird paradox. This whole thing is fucking paradoxical because it's like there are absolutely observable trends in the way that men are socialized to behave in ways that are obnoxious, domineering, entitled, or whatever. But there is also a a definite desire to attribute those, A, to sometimes attribute that as the primary factor in how someone's behaving when that clearly is not the primary factor in how they're behaving. And B, there's a tendency to think about that not as a learned socialized behavior but as something that is biologically inherent and that's when you get into turf shit yep right like the idea that men are just inherently less sensitive or that like women biologically were and they evolved to be more like nurturing and listening and like evolutionary psychology is just the biggest load of crap and i don't know I, maybe I said this on the podcast before, but like at some point in like early, like late middle school, early high school, I kind of, I learned the lesson that my, just my fucking, my penis is treated as like a loaded gun that I'm carrying with me at all times. Like the fact that it exists in the room make certain people uncomfortable. And there is a tremendous history of horrific sexual violence that that has informed that. It's also terribly damaging as probably as a young man it's damaging and certainly as a young trans woman it's extremely damaging yeah. to have this feeling that like there's this thing that is always going to be like the easy answer for why I'm bad or why I fuck something or up. even even down to why I am not allowed to be seen as a woman unless I like there are there are unless people I in the chop trans, it off. Yeah, there are people in the trans community even who think that bottom surgery is like required to be well again valid. right that's that that's that trans medicalism yeah thing and it's that terrifying that's really it is a, this is a non-binary energy coming through for me it's like my perception of people is that we're all a bunch uh, as an as an asexual non-binary person we are a bunch of walking meat bags and all that really matters outside of like behavior all that matters in our bodies itself is that we are comfortable with what we have and how we perceive ourselves and we should learn how to respect others even if they don't necessarily match our expectations and it's but we're not yes. there yes we're not there which is why the amount of effort you have to put in to to, to go out and feel like charlie in the uh 
Forever 21 Sunflower Dress is present in a way that you feel happy with. And I should be able to just never not change my clothing at all, not do anything to feminize my appearance, and just say, hi, I'm Charlie, I'm a woman, and people should just be able to be like, okay, cool. And the sad thing is there's two parts, right? On one hand, people should just accept you, but on the other hand, you want to be pretty in the traditional exactly. way, right? That is a different, that, that's an internal part. Yes, and that, and 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 while I don't know how much of that internal part has been, you know, forced into my head, it doesn't even matter how much was. You can't. It doesn't undo fucking it. matter, right? It is just my. Yeah, when my people brain. say like, I mean, I'll say all, all day long, society made standards. Those standards are not going to go away before we die. Like you know what I mean? Like we can fight them, but like. There are standards, and we have to navigate a world that, like, you're not going to suddenly not want to dress that way. And there's no biological reason right. you want if to. I'm but- like, if I'm like, if I'm like, you know, oh, my favorite young adult series is Redwall by Brian Jakes. And somebody's like, you're only saying that because you read it in sixth grade at, like, a very, like, you know, at a time when, like, you were inclined to take you know at 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 an, at an impressionable age when like the themes of those books were like appealed to you at that exact moment that's the only reason that those are your favorite books it's like yeah no fucking shit <laughs> there's so my favorite teen series like 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 it doesn't like oh yeah you're right sorry you're right my opinion didn't just spring from a pure objective well in a <laughs> vacuum my life experiences and my memories impact the way I view myself I mean the most basic way you can say it is congratulations my, it's like saying your favorite food wouldn't be your favorite food if you hadn't eaten it before it's like well yeah <laughs> like right, you know what I mean like yeah. everything is uh, subjective you the quiz you want to be. Even in a room by yourself, you want to feel pretty. And that and that's takes my question. goddamn that's effort. That's my question for you. That's my question for you. If you, if, if, if we were never going to see anybody in person ever again, everything went virtual, like we we're all just virtual avatars in a virtual reality or whatever. Matrix, or just whatever. like. How would you dress in your ma- matrix? How would you dress in your matrix pod? <laughs> Or no 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 because that's that's even talking about presentation, not virtual reality. It's just a computer screen, and we only communicate through text. From now on, no one ever sees anybody else. What would you want to look like, or would it even matter to you if you looked different, as long as online you are presenting your personality as being non-binary? It would matter. In so much as there's two things. One is it, for example, I'm growing a beard right now partially because we plan on filming and I don't know if I'm going to be needed for it. That's a whole. That's a whole. Yes. Real yes. World thing. We're both. Yeah. This is a whole thing. Let's not get into it. But, but that is a factor. Ari and I, I are, being, are being forced to grow beards right now because we both agreed to be in a movie and both had beards at the time. <laughs> Both had beers at the time and was stupid enough not to sh- to shave as the character. Yeah, anyway. and uh, and and I would say I would not have the beard at all if it was entirely for comfort reasons. I don't like having a beard physically at all, but I kind of like how it looks on me sometimes, and it depends on the ma- how mask mm-hmm. I'm feeling. But if I was not being seen by anybody, it's always more comfortable not to have it. <laughs> Yeah. Always, but that's that's so that's comfort though. That's purely based on comfort for you. Well, appearance. What's well, the thing, right? For me, 
there are times where I want to wear cute things. Like I want to, I want to get my ears pierced really bad. I don't know if you do, but if you do, we need to go get our ears pierced together because I don't know if you want to. I forget if you do or not. But I, I want to get my ears pierced so badly. I'm so, I'm so excited about it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little ambivalent about like piercings and jewelry, and I'm a lot, lot more interested in t- in getting a tattoo. Well, it's but... fair. Uh, I might get a tattoo one day. I haven't thought about what I would get. Um, I have a red wall tattoo. I want. By that's the way. amazing. Just. We're gonna, anyway, I'm assuming I'm assuming it is Marielle. It's Marielle of Redwall, yeah. baby. The first heroine that I ever identified with that's so as cool. a child. That's, even pre-Buffy. That's so cool. Uh, I would say, for me, it entirely comes from a place of what brings me a strange sense of happiness that day. Or whether wearing something special that day would make me feel happy, I it's very dependent for me. And and does it? It depends do, on the it depends on feel... the goddamn day. So like today I'm wearing black shorts and a black shirt, and I feel perfectly happy in this. But there are but days where like, do, I want to dress cute. You do even have I'm not the going, experience. Yes, but I'm not going out of the house. There are times where I'll want to dress in cute things, even though I'm not, no one's going to see me. For sure, it happens. Yeah. And, and are the cute things gendered in your head, or are they just like things that seem cute to you? There are some that are intrinsically somewhat gendered. For example, um, if I want to wear like short shorts, it's uh, we haven't lived in this. We don't live in the seventies, so there is a gender. No, but that could be queer. That could just be like that. Could just. Oh, be... I mean, it could be, but in my brain, that is wearing something feminine. Okay, that day. that's what I'm asking. Yeah. I'm asking if yeah. you short shorts feel feminine to me. Crop tops feel cool. feminine to me. Jewelry feels feminine to me, and um, shaving my face completely smooth feels feminine to me. I like all of those things. On the same thing, I sometimes like having my my beard in. I wish I could have longer hair, but I can't, so I just make do with my shorter hair. I uh, let's see, what's an example of a mat? Like oversized, like really oversized shirts. It's just like, like, like this one here feel mask to me. Certain things intrinsically feel mask and feel femme based on societal standards those aside some i i have associations with certain ones for certain things but i just like wearing all of them interchangeably depending on the day now what i wear out is different because i do still feel this is the thing about being non-binary i think i think a lot of amab non-binary people probably have the same thing i don't pass femme enough no matter what I do, because of as a Middle Eastern guy, I'm very, very hairy. I just haven't had the chance to do any body shaving at all. I can't grow hair on my head very much. I, I just have a very strong features. I sometimes don't feel like I... Because when people say they want to be androgynous, a lot of AMABs who want to look androgynous, it's sort of like a treading the line of feminine without just diving full on feminine. I don't feel like I can hit that point enough that I ever feel particularly inclined to try. I'm sure I would love to do it someday. I mean, makeup would really do it for you. Makeup does do it if for that, me. If makeup, be, if makeup became a bigger part of your life, I think that in collaboration with your like pastel clothes, I think I would read you as like queer as androgynous. Yeah, I think as, that. Yeah. I think the thing that I I keep coming back to, I think it is the most pathological thing for me. It is the most pathological thing for my dad. We, it's like it comes up every time we ever talk to each other. Uh, hair is such a pathological part of it. I think I would do so much more with my feminine side if my hair could grow. I just I would yeah. because my hair would be down to my shoulders if it could. One hundred percent, I would have long hair. I would always have long hair. I would have hair to my shoulders yeah. if I could. And because I can't, I don't bother with the rest sometimes. And that is still something I'm working on. But it is so 
to me, long hair is tied so intrinsically to the androgyny. And interesting, I right? That kind of goes back into effort, right? Like you, there's a thing that there's a thing that is so to you like in insurmountable that you are not willing or have not been willing to put in the effort for the rest of the things to, because yeah i could probably look pretty pretty damn honest with the rest of the stuff but because that to my brain it's like once that aspect is there everything else becomes more tempting and like i it's funny i this is a, i was about to say it's unusual it's not unusual this is true of like almost every trans person as always happens my limitation is budgetary where for a lot of people it's like i would take hormones but i can't really afford them and there's medical reasons i can't because it's expensive and it's hard to get approval for it for me i feel very lucky that i don't have to deal with hormones because that's a very intense thing to medically to you know get i get access to to afford it's intense i real i one day i looked up uh, how much it would cost to have my hair to have a laser transplant surgery which would fix my hair and the answer was 14 grand 14 grand would fix my hair that's the amount of money i would need jesus yeah 14 grand is if i had 14 grand i would have hair forever for the rest of my life i would have hair that's why every actor has hair because they just pay 14 grand and they fix it it's not that expensive. it's actually in the grand scheme not that expensive in the grand sense of like it fixes it but it is expensive in that who has 14 grand and i think that Every, I think it's actually kind of ties back to like, you know, what you were saying, which is like, everyone has the thing that sometimes serves as the reason why the rest of the effort doesn't feel worth it. Yeah. But in, but I had someone do my makeup. So I felt so, we so good, to... even with short hair, I felt so good. Right. So we, we only need, sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Whatever. but I just want to say we only need 2,800 pat patrons uh, to afford your your hair. Yes. Um, so, and minus three <laughs> that we have so far. So we got <laughs> 2,797 left, baby. Woo, we're going to get there, baby. Um, um, really but yeah, yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense to Speaking me. Speaking of which, you should check out our Patreon where there is fantastic content. Not only do we have lots of fun conversations that aren't necessarily about like existential stuff like we've done like quizzes and things but we've also made a horror movie concept we recently put out a podcast episode from another podcast pilot that we made that i love but we never finished because it was too hard to make but you get to see the madness that we did create and it is wonderful so go and check out our patreon that was the ad for this week anyway back to you charlie and now please welcome to TED Talk, Chapel Hill, the one, the only, Mrs. Nancy Cadwallader, who is going to now be discussing, well, I'll let her tell you. Hello. I I'm sorry. I, I, I just did need to say, 20 years ago, me, Ted... I had a mission. Okay, uh, I haven't had a chance to start my, my And talk that yet. mission, okay. well, it, it reminds me of when my dad used to take me out to try to teach me how to ride that goddamn bicycle. Okay, okay, Ted, Ted. Uh, it, oh, yeah? The, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I just, I, I'm, so, I'm so overcome by, you can, by you, my you success. Can, you can give your own TED Talk. You're allowed to do that. I don't want people to accuse me of nepotism. 
no matter what, no matter what, people would never trust me. People would never trust me. They'd be like, you own TED Talk. That's why you got a TED Talk. No one would ever trust me. And that, my friends, is the topic of today. Nepotism. Thank you so much for playing the part of TED. I appreciate you being here for this uh, presentation. Uh, Thank you, Professor Cadwallader. You, your, your research on nepotism is, is extremely – well, honestly, it's been crippling to me and my family – because <laughs> it's really raised public awareness of like oh boy things are people are really mad at the fact that the vice president is my son-in-law who's <laughs> never run a company before and it's basically because of your research but i love that you're here yes please continue hello my name is nancy C- C- cadwall was it cadwall cadwallader cadwall what Cad- cadwallader, cadwallader i believe am i misreading am i misreading the notes it's because it's Cadwallader. It's Cadwallader. It's, uh, it's French. Um, oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. That is so culturally insensitive. Yes. Hello. My name is Nancy Cadwallader. Today, we're going to be talking about nepotism. But first, we need to talk about strawberries. Have you <laughs> walked down? Hear her out! <laughs> Listen to me! I have been I have been to hundreds of these talks and yes I know that it this can seem way out of left field but I promise if you just stick with it it is always worth it these these speakers they nail it every goddamn time you just have to have faith <laughs> Yes thank, thank you. you Jerry strawberries the best fruit, perhaps. Tasty, delicious, sweet, sour. Nepotism. <laughs> Do you see the way she implanted ambiguity into our minds, preparing us to critically engage with our preconceptions of what is and is not sweet? This is why I love TED Talks with all my heart and soul. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Ted. Te- please, te- Ted. Please. No, wait, not Ted. Not Ted. Wait. What What was... Is that your cousin? He looks very similar to you. Wait, what was... What's his name, though? Terry. Terry. <laughs> no, he's not my cousin. I don't even know his fucking name. Nepotism. Also... Tastes quite sweet, doesn't it? To to get everything that you want. I am in no way related to the Ted family. <laughs> I want to make that extremely clear. My father was a politician. You all know him. Senator Cudwalde. He made quite an impact in his home state of... Kentucky, but I didn't want to follow in his footsteps, even though were I to go into politics, I I would have been massively successful. I do want to chime in and just say that like, it was incredible that your father had that Senate comeback after that giant disastrous bridge collapsed on his watch when he was mayor and he somehow pulled out a Senate win. I mean, your father is an inspiration professor. God, I really wish I remembered the address we, we, we had for Kentucky. I would have pulled that shit in so fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
1909 Westminster Drive? Yes, my, my your child your childhood home. My childhood home, but when I grew up in Westminster Drive, <laughs> the home that we are now selling for a grandiose two hundred eighty thousand dollars, which in Kentucky is millions. I I stand on the stage before you, having built my makeup empire, and sometimes. I look at my the makeup says Cadwallader on it. I think you know. Did I succeed? Due to the quality of my makeup work, is it because everyone knows the name Cadwallader because of my father? No matter how much you try to escape the names attached to you, sometimes it feels like you can never run away from them. And that is why I am changing the name of the company and my own name today on this TED Talk stage. I will be Nancy Strawberry. Wow! It all pulled together! <laughs> wow, that was amazing, Professor. And can I just say, really bold of you to come in on this TED Talk as a learned professor who studied nepotism academically only to pivot and have it just be a rebranding campaign for your side gig where you sell makeup. I mean, that is genius. The way they're treating us teachers nowadays in america i i make so much more money <laughs> in my makeup job than i ever did as a professor and i'm also here to announce my retirement from gordy university <laughs> i'm going to go full-time into strawberry makeup enterprises and i'm just gonna put this out there for all of you all of you amabs out there who want to look more feminine all of you non-binary people all you women who want to look feminine I want to just put out to all of you. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to make you real tired. But when you Honestly, hold that makeup this part this part's kind of feeling like virtue signaling. It's I mean, it's a good message, but it's a little hard coming from this woman who comes from a political dynasty who is historically voted very conservatively. <laughs> But when you put that makeup on your face and you're thinking, my God, it's been three hours. Think of how long it took the sweatshop to make that makeup for you. Think of how long it took for the, sh the shippers to get that makeup over to you. Think of how long that retail worker stood there preparing to sell the item day after day. Wow, after you hour. really, you really have a way with propaganda, Professor. Did you come up with your father's uh, campaign slogan, uh, the gays built the bridge? No, but it was a it was a huge inspiration for me. You might even call it a nepotistic <laughs> inspiration. Um, I I ask you to buy strawberry makeup, knowing the hours of work that went into producing it, and what you can't take thirty minutes to put it on your face. When my makeup team puts my makeup on my face, when they come in and they put it on my face, do you think? Do you think I don't appreciate the time they put in? Of course I do. But goddamn, do I look beautiful. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Buy my product. Wow. Well, folks, I just have to say, Professor Cadwalladre, whatever, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little tongue-tied. I, I never... I never took French. I uh, well, I did take French, but I failed because every time, <laughs> every time I turned in a French assignment, it was just a graphic novel. 
of pictures of, of, of French people. And uh, I got an F in that class, so that's why I can't pronounce the name. But I just want to say, I think that we have proven today anybody can be a star. Anybody can be beautiful. You don't have to be, you know, the cousin of the guy who owns TED Talk to get a TED Talk. You don't have to pay the guy who owns TED Talk an exorbitant amount of money to be allowed to promote your makeup brand. And to get that makeup brand, you don't have to have a famous rich political dad. And so I guess the conclusion is everybody is putting the same amount of work in and everybody gets the same thing out of it. <laughs> um, so I think we can really draw a lot of uh, conclusions from that improv set. I think all of them are yeah. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the answer, Charlie, is get over it. Just put it on. Just do it. Com- coming up next, Brene Brown. <laughs> 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 Okay, but actually, I do think that I have a conclusion to give you, Charlie, of what you should do. Please. I don't even remember what the question was, but I, I, think, I love advice. Uh, a lot of your life and energy has gone into many activities, right? You have activities, you have this and that, you have the podcast recording, you have your writing, you have your schooling, you have your other jobs, your other hobbies. You need to have a 30-minute period, at the very least, in, either the, in the morning that you plan for, schedule for, and mark down that has to be used for physical self-care, even if you don't have anything you want to do that day, that is the time that no one is allowed to call you. No one can schedule time because that's your period. You need to have your period of time that's for you. For that. For you and for that. Because if you don't make it for that, you'll find another thing to do with it. Uh, Do you know how many god? Damn therapists, I've paid thousands of dollars. I've paid more money in therapy over the last 10 years than it would cost you to get hair. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you. They always say the same thing. They say, Charlie, you, you seem unhappy, but also you don't do anything to fix it <laughs> or take care of yourself at all. And uh, they're right, and you're right, and maybe maybe there needs to be some uh, some better self self care habits. I think you need to treat another... self care like a job, where it is something that you know we don't do like we do jobs because we not we like we try to find jobs we like. But at the end of the day, they wouldn't be jobs we weren't getting paid for them. At the end of the day, whatever you do to put the makeup on, whether you love it or you hate it, you're doing it because the result is what makes you happy, and you just Listen, gotta have I don't that time. Undermine... I don't want to undermine what you're saying. I actually think the solution for me is going to be like, I don't know. I need like a better medication or something. (laughs) But but it's so great you said it because, you know, we wanna we wanna leave our listeners on this like positive note. They feel like they've completed something where something was closure. Well, I or just to be like, you know, if you I don't know, I guess if you have if you have the capacity to make some time for yourself, maybe you should make some time for yourself. And But also, maybe we should be worrying less about how we... 
But then I'm not going to tell anyone to worry less about how to present because I worry about how to present and that's part of it. So I don't know. I have no advice. I have no advice. I'm a baby. I'm just a baby. If you find that during these absolutely horrifically troubled and very warm times that you have a little more trouble putting the effort in to make yourself look the way you want to, don't blame yourself. It's hard. It's really hard. Right. It's also just like we didn't even talk about capitalism. Because we already know, baby. We already know. We're living in it. We don't have to tell. Like it's like, do fish? A fish have a podcast? You always talk about the water? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's end this thing. And that's here. why we never do videos for this podcast because we don't want to have to dress up every time we record. Here's a Dorito for this duck. Here's a Dorito for this duck. Here's a Dorito for this goose. <laughs> Run! good 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 goodbye goodbye yes androgyny was conceived recorded and produced by ari noble and myself charlie monroe if you want more content or you care to support the show we can be found at patreon.com slash yes androgyny where we will be posting an extra episode of bonus content plus other fun surprises at least every off week This show is co-produced by New 32 Productions, an independent North Carolina media company that Ari and I are both heavily involved with. You can find New 32 on YouTube at youtube.com slash new32, that's N-E-W-3-2. Our music was composed by Florify, F-L-O-R-R-I-F-Y, whose link tree can be found in the episode description. Our theme song is Riff in A by Garrett stein Sarusi, who plays the guitar on the track, with additional arrangement, instrumentation, and mastering also by Florify. Our cover art is by the inimitable Izzy Pereira, who can be found on Twitter at Izzy Squeaksy. That is I-Z-Z-Y-S-Q-U-E-A-K-Z-Y. Lastly, but not leastly, Ari can be found on Twitter at Ari Noble Writes where they post about their myriad music and webcomic writing projects, including their epic fantasy adventure webcomic in the vein of Redwall. They co-created it with our cover artist Izzy, and it is posted weekly. So definitely check that out. It's super rad. Thank you guys so much for listening. That concludes the credits. See you in two weeks or sooner if you join our Patreon. Bye!